welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. Well, good morning and happy new year. For any of you that may not know me, my name is Colleen and I am the children's and family pastor here at Oak Hills Church. And I, like many of you, am eager for a new year of possibilities. 2020 was hard. Not only was 2020 dominated by COVID concerns and a hostile social and political climate, but my year included some personal tragedies. My baby brother passed away. He and I shared a tender and creative spirit. And because he died just as the first shutdown of 2020 was put in place, we could not grieve him and celebrate him in the way we would have chosen. Then on July 4th, as many of you know, my house burned down along with everything I had. 2020 was indeed a hard year. Now don't get me wrong, 2020 also brought me many blessings. A precious granddaughter was born and she is a joy. I'm staying with my daughter, son-in-law, and four sweet grands as my house is being rebuilt, and I'm loving the opportunities to be so intimately involved in their lives. And the outpouring of love I received from you, my Oak Hills family, during this time has blown me away, both with your gracious compassion and the love of my Heavenly Father to surround me with such beautiful friends. This is the first time I have spoken since all this happened, and I could not go on without taking an opportunity to thank you, my friends, from the bottom of my heart for loving me so well. I am and will forever be grateful for you and your care. Yet, even with that being said, if I'm honest, I'm ready to move on, to return to normal. And my guess is I'm not alone. Never before has normal sounded so wonderful. However, besides being the first Sunday of the new year with another Advent season in the books, we're going to take one more look at a section of the Christmas story because this is Epiphany Sunday. Before we rush on into the year, I ask you to pause with me for a moment and consider the unnormal invitation Epiphany might be offering us. So would you please stand for the reading of today's scripture? Today's scripture is found in Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12, and you can find it in the app or, of course, your Bibles. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. 
But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now, some of you may be familiar with the season of Epiphany, but I suspect that many of you haven't a clue what I'm talking about when, or what Manuel was talking about when he said this was Epiphany Sunday. And you're not alone. In my, the faith tradition that I grew up in, in the weeks following Thanksgiving, we decorated for Christmas, sang carols, and finished by recognizing Jesus' birth on Christmas. And then it was over until Easter Sunday, when we thank God for Jesus' death and resurrection. If someone would have talked to me about the church calendar, I would have thought they were referring to the free calendars sent out by our local funeral home that hung in most of the church classrooms. They had religious pictures in them, and did I mention they were free? It was only as an adult I came to appreciate the beauty and rhythm of the Christian year. I was first introduced to Advent, the season leading up to the birth of Christ, where we prepare our hearts for Emmanuel, Christ with us. Later, I learned, I discovered Lent, the 40 days leading up to Holy Week and Easter, where we walk with Christ through his life, suffering, death, and on Easter, rejoice in his resurrection. I came to treasure these important seasons of the church calendar year and how they enriched my soul and deepened my connection to God and his story. But Epiphany still didn't make the cut. Now, if I was born in other parts of the world, whether religious or not, Epiphany might have been much more familiar. Epiphany is celebrated 12 days after Christmas. In fact, the song, the 12 days of Christmas is not referring to 12 days leading up to Christmas, as some of us might believe, but is actually about the 12 days beginning on Christmas Day and ending on January 6th, Epiphany. Epiphany Sunday is the Sunday closest to January 6th. And Epiphany commemorates the day when the Magi from the East came to Bethlehem guided by a miraculous star. It is a big and important festival in some places, celebrated with special cakes and pastries and lots of feasting. Different countries have different traditions connected to Epiphany. But one I think is worth mentioning comes out of Ireland, where Epiphany was also called Women's Christmas. And traditionally, women would get the day off, and men would do all the housework and cooking. Doesn't sound so bad, does it? 
But isn't Epiphany just sort of an afterthought to the Christmas season? After all, most of us have conveniently added the wise men to the stable scene and called it good. By this time, we've put our houses back in order, made our New Year's resolutions, and are eager to get back to the real work of living. So why draw this out? Because, my friends, we need epiphany. Our world needs epiphany. If Advent seeds hope, hope anticipated, and Christmas bursts hope anew, then epiphany sends seeds of hope on the wind and promises hope extended. In an article for Psychology Today, Elise Ballard defines epiphanies as major life-changing revelations that have the greatest impacts on our lives. She says that whether a person has spiritual beliefs or not, they speak of epiphanies in their lives with a deep sense of reverence. She infers that we need epiphanies, big and small, because they celebrate both our differences, they are unique to each of us, and our similarities. As we share them with each other, they lead to understanding, honor, and respect. Epiphanies, she says, lead to not only learning more about ourselves, but about our fellow humans and the world around us. Now, my guess is that in my eagerness to put the unpleasantness of this last year behind, I may be missing revelations and appearances, manifestations of Christ's coming, epiphanies that I desperately need. I loved last Sunday's Hope Sustained Sharing because many of you shared how you saw God at work and how it sustained you. You shared epiphanies. Sometimes these small e epiphanies are brand new thoughts or happenings, but most often they are, in the words of Maya Angelou, the mind, the body, the heart and the soul focusing together and seeing an old thing in a new way. If she's right, that epiphanies involve an integration of self, an awareness of time, of reflection, an openness to divine work that cannot be rushed through. We need the season of epiphany because it is an invitation to be present, even in the less than pleasant here and now, and to open our eyes to the manifestations of God at work. Now, when I began to consider what I would say today, I at first felt energized by this idea of connecting Epiphany Sunday with the epiphanies given and shared in our lives. But the farther I got into it, the less I actually liked it. See, I really want to be done with whatever God might be showing me. I want to move back to normal. So much so that I strongly considered leaving this small epiphany thing out altogether. Yet I couldn't shake how Ballard's definition of epiphanies as life-changing revelations that have a great impact on our lives sounded 
like our Christmas Eve liturgy, all of history converges in Christ and everything changes in the light of his coming. This is ultimate reality. Everything does change in the light of Christ's coming. But so often I, and maybe you, don't live as if it's true. We need epiphany. We need the magi to remind us to look up, to wonder, to open to the divine. So let's go back to the scripture. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We're not told much in scripture about who the magi or wise men as they're sometimes called were. They were from the east and were astrologers and interpreters of omens. We hear of a star, a dream. I believe they were true epiphany people filled with curiosity and seeking truth. As one writer put it, they had enough faith to go seeking more. Somehow they seemed to understand the words of the prophet Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. These travelers from afar knew the ultimate reality that most of the world missed. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They left their homes, embarked on a treacherous journey, bringing expensive gifts, and came to pay homage to the king of the Jews because all of history converges in Christ and everything changes in light of his coming. Now the Magi are not the only characters mentioned in Matthew's account. There was Herod, the not so nice king of the Jews. He was in Matthew's words disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Herod had no wonder, no curiosity about what God was up to, only a need to get rid of the distraction and return to his menacing normal. Herod was not an epiphany person. Control at all cost was all that mattered. So much so that we are told when he realized he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was so enraged that he gave orders to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. Such atrocity is beyond imagination. Now I am not Herod, but I wonder if my desperate need to move on and return to normal doesn't contain a piece of longing to control my world. I need epiphany. 
this wondrous account that makes it possible for both joy and sorrow to coexist in the redemptive story of God because everything changes in the light of his coming. Which brings me to my second and final point. We need epiphany because it is an invitation to open our eyes to what God is up to in not just our own lives, but in the world. And not only to recognize it, but to join in it and be agents of hope. This is hope extended. What a witness the Magi offer us here today. Mary McGloom sums it up like this. The Savior came as a lowly one among lowly, and the Magi were wealthy foreigners who paid attention to the signs of their time. Their reading the heavens focused on a star that signified something important was happening beyond their borders, and they were willing to displace themselves to discover what it might be. They had enough faith to go seeking more, at the same time, they were humble enough to ask for wisdom from a tradition not their own. Reading their own tradition led them to seek a great king. Their open-mindedness allowed them to discover more. The Magi were the first to comprehend that Jesus was not just the deliverer of Jewish hopes, but the light, the hope of the whole world. Epiphany is the unveiling of the good news of Christ, the proclamation of salvation for all nations. Epiphany is hope extended beyond individual lives, beyond a people and nation longing for deliverance to a dark and broken world hungry for hope. It is John 3:16, for God so loved the world it is Paul's declaration in Ephesians 3. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. We need epiphany because hope celebrated through Advent is not just for us, but an invitation to extend this ultimate truth through us. The kingdom of God has come and that kingdom extends through us. Epiphany calls us to arise, shine, for your light has come. The world is familiar with Isaiah's words, see darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But Epiphany calls us to not rush ahead back to our normal, but to heed the words of Howard Thurman. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among brothers to make music in the heart. In just a moment, we'll come together at the communion table. 
celebrating both the light of Christ's coming and the oneness we have with Christ and his family from every tribe and nation. But before we do, we need to recognize that some of you are walking roads of incredible pain right now. You may feel lost in the thick darkness Isaiah speaks of, and you are not alone. Many in our world are walking similar paths where hope seems only a dream. On this Epiphany Sunday, this Sunday of hope extended, it seems fitting to pause and lift up our world to the giver of hope. 